Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That we can always come to you in our time of difficulty, in our time of need. And you meet us right at that place. We are so grateful, my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, brothers and sisters, for tuning in for our midweek service. It's a privilege and honor to come before you once again this evening and break the bread of life. For those of you that tuned in last week, you'll remember that we talked about Joshua and his experience standing before the enormous walls of Jericho. And we talked about standing before those walls that hold you and I back and not crumbling and not losing hope, but instead praising until we get our breakthrough. And so I asked those of you guys that were courageous enough to do so, to find the wall in your home, to stand in front of it, and to praise, declaring that those walls were coming down. And as I went home and I reflected on our time together, it reminded me of a powerful experience I had when visiting Jerusalem a few years back. See, I had the opportunity to visit the famous Western Wall, where, where millions of pilgrims gather every year to stand in front of and to pray. And so the idea is that turning to this wall would bring one closer to the Shekinah presence of God. Since it was believed that that wall was closest to the Holy of Holies in the second temple built by King Herod. And as you stand before that wall, you feel the presence of the Lord in such a powerful way. Mount Moriah, where that's built on, has so much incredible history, right? We remember in our Bibles how that's where God told Abraham to sacrifice his son. And so millions of people go there to stand in front of that wall and pray. And so they believe that by turning to that wall and directing your prayers there, that it would give one instant access into the throne room of grace. And so as you walk around the site, you see some people interceding privately in their own intimate space with God. And yet there's others that have taken their prayers and written them down on slips of paper. And they've inserted them at various places in the wall. I remember when I visited in 2016, my niece had just been diagnosed with leukemia. And so I had this very personal request that needed to go straight uh, up to God, straight into his throne room because it was an emergency. He needed to move on behalf of my niece. And so if you see this picture right here, that's my hands on the wall after having placed that prayer for my niece. And you see those little white slips of paper. Those are the faithful prayers of so many pilgrims that believe that if they would just turn to God in their times of crisis, that it would move him into action. And so today, many believe that this wall, instead of it being a barrier uh, uh, that keeps people from the promises of God, it's become a conduit for the prayers of the righteous. 
And so today, we're going to look at someone who was able to move the heart of God by doing just that. By offering a humble prayer before a wall that not only changed the very trajectory of his life, but also of the people that he led. And so... I invite you to get your Bibles ready and turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 20. We're going to be reading through verses 1 through 5 as we explore the topic from tears to triumph. From tears to triumph. Oh, beloved, I believe that there's some people weeping today. There's some people mourning today. And God wants to take you by the hand and lead you into a place of triumph. And so we're going to be exploring together how the Lord did that for King Hezekiah. And I'm particularly fascinated by Hezekiah's story because it illustrates how our raw and vulnerable prayers can move the heart of the creator of the universe. Isn't that incredible? James 5.16b says that the prayers of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And we see that in full display in the journey of this king. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 20, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. And the, the word of the Lord reads as such, In those days Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. Now, as we read this, we need to understand that Hezekiah was only 25 years old when he began his reign. And so he was thrust into the responsibility of leadership very early. And after 14 years of faithful service, he receives this unexpected visit. So he was a young man. And out of all the things he had anticipated, getting a visit from the prophet of the Lord, telling him to get his house in order at the ripe old age of 39 was probably not on top of his list. <laughs> And it was probably even more surprising, given all the amazing things that Hezekiah had done for the Lord. See, he was considered one of Judah's only righteous and just kings. He brought about a number of important reforms during his reign. He went and he tore down altars to foreign gods. He reestablished Passover in great significance. He reassumed control over some land that they had lost in the Negev desert. And so he had done many things that were pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. He was a leader who trusted God and kept his commandments. And so as a result, the Bible says that the Lord was with him and he prospered wherever he went. And so although the culture around him wasn't the greatest, 
Although his family wasn't the greatest, his dad had done a great many evils in the eyes of the Lord. Yet this young leader found a way to serve the Lord with faithfulness and excellence. Oh, beloved, some of us are making excuses, blaming things on the culture, blaming things on our family. But this proves to us that we can find our own way to serve the Lord with excellence. And so here we have this leader doing all the right things in the eyes of God. And when he least expected it, crisis came knocking on his door. And that's often how it is, beloved. When we're at the pinnacle of success, suddenly the bottom falls out and crisis comes knocking. And that was the case with Hezekiah. On one hand, he had the ruthless Assyrian army, the most powerful military force on the earth. They were heading his way, and he had received reports of how they had conquered nation after nation, destroying a great many cities. And so at this time, the reality was where there were hundreds of thousands of enemy soldiers just a two to three day march from Jerusalem. And so Hezekiah was already caught in the middle of this crisis when he gets the visit. Oh, now I don't know about you, I've been on the other side of that. That sudden phone call, that sudden visit, that unexpected request to see your boss in their office. And something inside of you tells you that there's not good news on the other side. Oh, but this shows us that no one... No one is exempt from difficulty. This good and faithful leader is facing attacks on multiple fronts. There's the external attack from the Assyrian king. And the internal attack from a sickness that was making him gravely ill. This man who faithfully served the Lord. This man who spent his life lifting up the Lord now had death knocking on his door. And Hezekiah, whose name means God has strengthened, was not being strengthened at all. Ironically, he was facing one of the worst battles of his life. Oh, and so what does he do when crisis came knocking on his door? He doesn't get bitter. He doesn't get busy trying to figure out a solution. He prays. Verse number two tells us that Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. This is what the Bible says. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Now last week, church, we talked about a wall as a barrier between us and the promise of God. And here we see the opposite as a wall becomes a place of intimacy with God, a place where the promises of God are drawn closer. 
See, some historians say that he faced the wall because that was the direction of the temple. So had he been well, he would have gone straight to the temple to pray. Others say that it was his, his effort, his attempt to get a private moment with God. He faces the wall, reminds God of this promise he had made, and then he cries bitterly. Now, there are times, brothers and sisters, especially for those that are called to leadership, where you have nowhere else to go with your brokenness than to a wall. See, there aren't many places where a leader can be truly vulnerable. And so last week we saw when Joshua faced the wall, he praised. And this week, Hezekiah faced the wall and prayed, yet both saw victory. And so I want us to understand today that a wall is not a barrier unless we allow it to be. It's what we do when facing that wall that makes a difference. So I ask you today, what do you do when crisis comes knocking on your door? That unexpected sickness, that unexpected job loss, that attack from someone who you thought was your friend, the passing of a loved one you didn't expect what do you do when you find yourself in the perfect storm of a crisis how do you transition from tears to triumph oh well I see a very simple formula in today's story brothers and sisters Hezekiah prayed Hezekiah wept and God moved. I'm sorry it's not more complicated or more sophisticated than that. But Hezekiah prayed. Hezekiah wept. And God moved. Also, oh, let's talk about that and, and see how we can apply it today. Number one, I believe that prayers about God's promises are powerful. See, when Hezekiah prayed on the surface, it looks like he was being really selfish. <laughs> he says, God, remember what I did for you. I've been good. I've been faithful. You have to save me. Look out for a brother. Oh, but if you take a closer look, you see that Hezekiah is actually recalling the promise that God had made to his family. See, God had promised that Judah would always see a descendant of David on the throne. So Hezekiah was holding God to the promise that he had made 10 generations before him. Although 300 years had passed, Hezekiah saying, remember God, you said it and so it has to be so. I cannot die because this promise has not been fulfilled oh see when the crisis came knocking Hezekiah didn't have any successors in place yet so there was no son to inherit the royal throne so his prayer was not for him alone but for a nation who was promised leadership from the sacred lineage that had been blessed by God and so he's reminding God, God, you said, 
It doesn't matter how long ago it was. Your promises have no date of expiration. Hezekiah is also pointing out that he had kept his part of the bargain. See, what was required were leaders who honored God. And Hezekiah is saying, listen, God, I held up my part of the promise. I was faithful. I, I was devoted to you wholeheartedly. Now I'm asking you to deliver on your part. Oh, see, brothers and sisters, when we have a promise in hand, our prayers should change. Our prayers should go from, if God, can you God, to you said God, you promised God, you declared God, you decreed God. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what's rising up to attack me. I'm holding on to what you said. Oh, there's power when we activate those promises with our prayer, those bold and those fervent and those focused prayers that stay grounded on what God has already said. And no, it's not challenging the sovereignty of God, but it's honoring by recognizing that he's not a man that he should lie. So if he said it, he's going to do it. Oh, brothers and sisters, prayer absolutely makes a difference, especially when crisis comes knocking on our door. We need to declare that God is still a powerful God. God is still a sovereign God. God is still sitting on his throne. And even to the last moment of our lives, he listens when we cry out to him in prayer. So I want you to remember today, beloved, no matter how big the enemy, no matter how big the battle, when crisis comes knocking at your door, intercessory prayer is the primary pathway from tears to triumph. Oh, the second thing I believe we can draw from Hezekiah's journey is that our tears are valuable to God. Oh, yes, they are. The unfortunate thing is that we live in a culture that says that tears are a sign of weakness. A culture that says that the, the display of emotion is seen as a lack of self-control. And yet, the shortest verse in the Bible is John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Oh, the Savior, the Messiah was brokenhearted, was moved to tears at, at, the, at the sight of, of, of his friend Lazarus' death. Jesus wept. And if our Savior wept, oh, we need to understand that it's okay. There's space for you and I through, to go through those seasons where we weep. And we see that here in Hezekiah's story. Hezekiah not only cried, he wept bitterly. That's not just a single little tear that you can just dry up. Wept bitterly, that soul, a, a, a kind of a weep, that ugly cry that comes from the innermost part of you. He wept bitterly. And we can infer that there's several reasons 
that he might have done this first. We have to remember that Hezekiah didn't have the assurance of eternal life like you and I do. See, remember, this was before Jesus' time. So when confronted with death, he had no idea what was coming next. Secondly, at that time, long lives were one of the blessings promised to the faithful, uh, promised to them if they live righteously. So receiving the news that his life was going to be cut short was evidence in his mind that the Lord was displeased with him. And it goes back to the Old Testament idea that God's blessing or his curse was based on people's obedience or disobedience. And so if you were sick, surely you must have done something sinful to earn that lot in life. Surely if he received news that he was dying so young, there must have been something he did to displease God. And so Hezekiah wept bitterly when confronted with this realization. This idea that there was a a possibility that he had displeased the Lord. And so we need to understand that it wasn't about the empty exercise of crying, but it was flowing out of a true place of brokenness. Perhaps he was asking himself, where did I go wrong, God? Where did I miss it, God? What else could I have done to please you? And so the combination of that prayer and this heartfelt cry moved the heart of God. And it's incredible, church, because even when God sends judgment, a repentant heart can move God towards mercy. And so King Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he cried out to God. And as he wept, God saw his tears. God felt his pain. And as a result, he answered his prayer and he added more years to his life. Oh, I don't know who needs to hear this today, but it's okay to weep before the Lord. It's even okay to weep bitterly in your brokenness for God sees our tears just like he saw Hezekiah's. Oh, and each tear that we cry has meaning to our God. Not one goes unnoticed. Psalm 56, 8 says, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Oh, your tears matter to God, beloved. And the shedding of tears we know is a a sign of a broken heart. And, And God says in his word that he draws near to the brokenhearted. So even when we try to hold it in, God not only sees our tears, but it's an SOS that alerts him to come closer. Furthermore, weeping is a healthy part of our humanity. It's incredible because when people come to us for pastoral care and and they get emotional, they have a tendency to apologize when they cry as if it's something to be embarrassed about. I'm here to tell you 
that your tears matter to God and it's okay to let out that brokenness. It's okay to let out that pain before our heavenly father. As a matter of fact, the letting go of those tears can be therapeutic as we unchain our true emotions. Oh, but it also moves the heart of our father as we become vulnerable before him. So Hezekiah prayed. Hezekiah wept bitterly. And then what happens next? Picking up the story once again in verse number four, the word of the Lord says, before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I have heard your prayers and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord and I will add 15 years to your life and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant, David. Oh, and so the prayer of this faithful king was answered immediately. Isaiah didn't even have a chance to leave the premises. Why? Because God heard his prayer and saw his tears. And so the last kind of important point that I want us to draw from this is that vulnerability before the Lord paves the pathway to healing. See, that honest conversation with God during our time of prayer, that pouring out our soul before him when we weep moves him to heal what has been broken. And so the vulnerability of this godly king was responded to immediately. <laughs> And not only does God respond, but he was mindful of his promise to David generations before. And he tells him that it would be accomplished in Hezekiah's lifetime. And so not only did Hezekiah triumph over death. He triumphed over the sickness itself, right? It says he was able to go up to the temple by his own strength. Now, I've been on what's left of the steps up to that temple. It's no easy feat. And so he conquered the sickness completely. Oh, he also triumphed over his enemies, right? He was able to defeat the king of Assyria. But most exciting for me and something that often goes unnoticed is that he defeated the plot of the devil to sever his lineage. See, out of his lineage, the Davidic lineage, came the one who would save all humanity, Jesus the Christ. And so had the story stopped with Hezekiah, we would have never gotten Jesus. And because of his humble prayer, because of this ability to be vulnerable before his father, oh, we saw a promise kept that we're still benefiting from today. 
Oh, when we go before the Lord in vulnerability, he takes us from a place of tears. And in our vulnerability, in our brokenness, he brings us to a place of triumph. And so today, you and I can stand in the place of triumph because of the humility of this king who turned to the wall and uttered a humble prayer to his God. Now, I don't know where you find yourself today, beloved. Or maybe you've been serving the Lord faithfully. You've been serving the Lord diligently. And out of clear blue sky, you get that visit. Out of clear blue sky, you find yourself under attack. Oh, perhaps it's an internal attack. Maybe disease uh, has attacked your body. Maybe depression has attacked your mind. Or maybe it's an external battle. Oh, you have people around you that are out to get you, that are out to ravage what you built, that are out to damage your reputation, that are out to hurt your loved ones. And so you feel like there's attacks all around you. And every time you get that sudden call, every time you get that knock on the door, you get a knot in the pit of your stomach saying, what else? What other crisis is going to come knocking on my door? Oh, but take heart today, brothers and sisters, as you stand before this barrier, as you stand before those challenges, as you feel those attacks closing in. Hezekiah has given us a formula to take us from tears to triumph. First, we have to pray. Second, we have to pray. Third, we have to pray. Come on, let's not relegate prayer to the last thing we do after we've exhausted all the other options. It should be option number one, option number two, option number five, option number 100. We need to pray. Oh, and as we pray before the Lord... As we encounter him from a place of humility and and vulnerability. As we have the courage to pour out our tears before him. As we become real about the, the brokenness and the hurt that we've experienced. Oh, we're gonna be amazed, beloved. How our God, our loving Father, our Daddy in heaven will do the miraculous on our behalf. And he's not just going to give us triumph in one area of our life. Like Hezekiah, there's going to be a list of things that we're going to triumph in. Oh, so although you may be in a place of tears today, don't lose hope. God wants to bring you to a place of triumph. But will you allow him to take you by the hand and lead the way? He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. He wants to dry those tears and take you into triumph. Would you turn to him during your time of crisis? Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for this reminder from your word, Lord, of the journey of King Hezekiah, a man that was faithful unto you, Lord. 
thank you, Lord, that you showed us with that simple formula of prayer and vulnerability before you, that he invited you in to do the miraculous. And so today, my God, we come before you with our brokenness. We come before you with our pain in the places where we've been hurt. We come to you with our real uh, uh, wounds, uh, Father, uh, uh, opening all area of our lives to you. You see where we've been attacked. You see where we've been oppressed. You see where we've been hurt. You see, my God, the internal battles, the external battles, and all the crises that we're facing. And so we come right now and we pour them out to you, Lord, asking for you to draw near to the brokenhearted, for you to be a very present help during times of trouble, my God. Oh, we understand what folks have said around us. Oh, but your word is the only word that matters. And so right now we yearn to hear your voice telling us that you will heal us, telling us that you will deliver us, telling us that you have the miraculous waiting for us in the place of triumph. And although sorrow is here with us today, we know that your joy is coming in the morning, my God. So we thank you, Lord, for this reminder of the power of prayer. And we pledge, my God, not to run from you, but at this time that we're running to you, for you are our help, you are our strength, you are our sustainer, you are our defender when we're being attacked. So we thank you that today you've taken us from a place of tears, from a place of mourning, into a place of triumph. And for that, my God, we give you the glory and the honor in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Come on, declare it. Today, you're going from tears to triumph in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.